Welcome to Coffee House. Today we're looking at Turning Red. It's a very recent release from Pixar Animation Studios, and it's directed by Dome Shi, who is also credited as, as a writer with two others given writing credits on this particular film. And I know you guys love it when I do movies, so here we are. We've got another one. Sandra Oh did one of the voices, but I did not recognize any of the other actors or actresses. They all did fine, from what I could tell. And that is not where my beef lies. <laughs> But this thing was worse than I thought, so recent Pixar hasn't been good. Most recent ones have been like Onward, Soul, which I heard, actually, that's the only Pixar movie I haven't seen. And it's because I heard that was really good, so I'm saving it for the right moment to watch. But Luca was not good at all. Onward was terrible. And now we have Turning Red. And I had thought, you know, when I was going back through, I wanted to look at the other Pixar movies. And I was looking for kind of the golden age of Pixar so we could reminisce in that and bask in that's glow. But there wasn't really a massive golden age. There were a couple. I have like a tier list. So there were a couple that were kind of the, the pinnacle, the top, the Wally and Up. Wally and Up were kind of the ones that were above the rest that seemed like actual legitimate great films. Then under that, I saw like Toy Story, The Incredibles, Inside Out you know toy stories just in general classic it really moved the medium forward in many ways the incredibles is one of those where it's just so well balanced that it seemed to work quite well and inside out just it's so clever even though there are, are a number of things that are kind of weird about it but it, it's so clever that it's it's worth it then under that we're like finding nemo and monsters inc those are quality movies that don't really reach above that status but still enjoyable to watch and below that all the sequels so many sequels it's like you know, Cars 2 and 3 and 4 and 6. And uh, the other Toy Stories, I'm sure there are good things about those other Toy Stories, but we're not going to dive into those. And Monsters University and all those. And then on this plane, also Brave is one that was kind of mostly forgettable. Ratatouille is generally overrated. And then Cars. While, I mean, Cars might be a, a notch lower, but <laughs> I wanted to keep it out of this next category, this next tier that has just the newest ones. It's like Coco, Onward and Luca. Coco is actually a terrible movie when you uh, break it down. Though it looked very nice. Like Coco and Luca look very good. Onward didn't look all that great, but Coco and Luca looked very good. They're just not good movies. And then Onward was just in general terrible. But below that... We have Turning Red. It's not just bad. Like, structurally, when it comes to characters, motivations, plot, animation, it's extremely creepy, and it engenders this kind of selfish immorality. So, uh, just let me explain. Okay, so, as always, we're going to go through the contents, and then we'll talk about an analysis to say how good or bad it is, and then we'll do a big picture to try to tie it into some broader understanding. We're just going to do this for movies now, because why not? <laughs> I like this structure. So, what's it about? <laughs> It is about Mei Lin. She's a 13-year-old girl, and that's actually significant for purposes of this plot. She's a student and daughter. So this movie has the least subtle metaphor you could possibly imagine. I mean, if you saw the trailer, you knew exactly what the metaphor was. It's actually about a girl going through puberty and having her first period. So already, uh, that's a little odd. I mean, imagine having a, a children's movie about a boy trying to manage his first erection. Like when he, he sees a pretty girl, a sword sticks out of his pants or something. Uh, it would be grotesque and inappropriate. But, in general, artistic license to explore something that's real, that actual 13-year-old girls have to go through, might not be the proper medium, but we'll give them some latitude for purposes of it now. So she loves this band, this boy band, and wants to go to this concert, but her mother is overbearing and demands a lot from her when it comes to working with her and at school, so it was going to prevent her from doing that. 
So when May, for the first part, is confronted by her mother, then she just kind of lets her mother believe that it's the bad influences around her rather than her who has interest in all these things. And then at a certain point in the story, May gets excited by a boy and turns into a giant red panda. So the rest of the movie is May kind of dealing with turning into a panda at inopportune times and finally confronting her mother. Okay, so first things first, it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's, it starts off with narration. Of course, this is something that's very annoying. If you're going to do narration, it has to be done in an intelligent way. And fantasy movies get a little bit more leeway, but still. So in this one, it's just straightforward exposition talk, or this is me and this is what I think kind of thing. In this narration, she talks about how you might forget to honor yourself, and luckily, I don't have that problem. I do what I want. So the whole movie has the tone and style of a music video, and it definitely puts random jokes over any kind of heart or sincerity, and the jokes don't come from character. This is something that I'm sure we've talked about before, but comedy writing in this context works when the jokes come from character, when it comes from an established character and you see how they interact with different things. In this, they are generic jokes from generic characters. And the main character is annoying. It's just an annoying person. It's not a fun person to be around. She's bratty and egocentric and not thoughtful or interesting. And her friends also are not differentiated. They're all that she has three friends that she's constantly hanging out with. And they're not differentiated. They're, they all act the same. One of them just growls a little bit. There are no actual consequences for anything. There are no real stakes. The stakes are go to concert or don't go to concert. And one of the most annoying things when it comes to like structure-wise or plot-wise, writing-wise, for me, was that it kept changing how the characters responded to the central premise of the whole movie. It was, it was constant, ah, you're a panda, okay, it's fine. So the parents did that first, ah, you're a panda, oh, we have pandas in the family. Then the friends did that, ah, you're a panda, and she just gathers them into a room and says, no, it's fine. They're like, okay, it's fine. And all the other kids in the school, ah, you're a panda, no, we love it now. It kept doing that. It diffuses the central premise of the entire movie. So at that point, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that The central premise is meaningless. And then also, sometimes she can control it, and sometimes she can't, and that gets really annoying. It smacks very much of amateur writers throwing something together around this one central idea that they had and not being able to really square the circles. So it muddles its own message, and the messages that it does get through are just absolutely horrible. Why is it a collection of all the worst messages to children, and how is it creepy? <laughs> we'll go through that. First, just kind of the easy thing. The stereotypes that it has, one of the main themes of the movie is that the Asian mother is overbearing and demands too much from their child, and this is of course a cultural stereotype. Now the filmmaker is an Asian woman, so that gives her a pass, but if a white man had made this movie, he'd be considered trafficking in racism and xenophobia for having this portrayal of an Asian mother. Another one is uh, females being compulsively and overly emotional. This is a very important theme in the movie. <laughs> this is something that the characters do and talk about, how females just do this. And again, if a man had made this, then uh, he would be considered ultra-misogynistic. But, I mean, those are the least of the problems uh, when it comes to this movie, as well as the thing that's next, the woke stereotypes. These are just things that pop up in movies now where you know they consciously made this decision because they were trying to get some virtue points. So, like, the father being cooking, he's the one who makes the food for the ladies, and the, most of the authoritative figures in the movie happen to be women. So, these are the woke stereotypes that make it into this. And again, this is minor compared to what comes next. So the plain and open sexualization of children. 
this is actually really bad. It, it's consistent throughout the entire movie, and it's something that was extremely surprising. And in a number of ways, it actually evaded my notice on the first watching, but then it all kind of got tied in, and I'll explain. So in the very beginning of the movie, early on, one of her friends, May's friends, is talking about how her parents don't like the music that they like, the boy band. Her parents called it stripper music, she says. And then she asks, what's wrong with that? Then you get one of the boys who's trying to make fun of May. He's like dancing provocatively and it's it's a little weird. But again, so those two things by themselves, it would be like, okay, there's a throwaway line. So you don't really think anything about it. It's not a big deal. It's just a little weird. But then you get into it and major plot points underline this idea. So... One of the things that she does as we go along is that after the students at the school realize she turns into a panda, May starts selling pics of her body. Remember, in the metaphor, she just reached puberty. So this is the flowering of a sexual interest, and now she's selling pictures of her body. It's like a classroom only fans. And this is part of the plot of the movie. So this, in addition to the little girl saying how what's wrong with stripper music and one of the boy characters dancing provocatively, and I don't mean he's doing a cha-cha or something. I mean he's gyrating and bending over and doing the whole twerking thing. So later, one of the plot points is that she goes to, oh, she's recruited by a boy that was formerly kind of an antagonist, but he's re- she's recruited by him, and he says that he wants to invite her over to the party, his birthday party when the parents are out of town, so she can put on a show as the panda so he's paying her to dance around as the panda like a stripper and just (laughs) just in case you didn't kind of understand where they were going with this the song that's playing at the time is bootylicious like they are making sure to hit it home so she's selling pictures of her body and now she's dancing for a group of people who are paying they're trying to get money to be able to go to this concert now she's dancing for a group at a party with bootylicious playing later she says to her mom i like gyrating she merchandises her body, she sells all these all these things with the depictions of her body on it. And then at the very end, she dances provocatively as an attack against her mother. And just to top all of that off, one of the last things that happens in the, mo- in the movie is that she makes an abortion reference. After all this has happened, her mother tries to stop her from going somewhere, suggests she shouldn't do it or something like that. And May says, my panda, my choice. That is a reference to an abortion slogan in a children's movie. And then she suggests that we all have an inner beast and wants to recruit, you know, the the rest of the children uh, into into her way of thinking about all this stuff. So I can't be... It's not a coincidence that all these things made it into the movie. I, in general, will defend any given movie or medium of entertainment as having tremendous artistic license to be able to do what they want, you know, with a subject matter. You, you need that to be able to explore these ideas. But this thing is directly made for children, and it has all of these things in a row that just keeps repeating itself throughout the movie that explicitly sexualize children. Not only that, but the morals are absolutely horrible. The morals advertised are horrible. They suggest, number one, you should be the center of everyone's attention. Now, this one's not great. It's mostly bad writing, but... So first, you should be the center of everyone's attention. It's the... Her parents are directly focused on her. Her friends are always focused on her. All the children at school are focused on her. All the elders, you know, have lived a collective 400 years. They're focused on her. So that is just... It's a matter of superficiality. It's so you don't have to create a complex world or complex characters. Everybody else is 
is defined by their relation to your main character. So it just makes everything much simpler and much stupider. But beyond that, well beyond that, the morals that are advertised are don't listen to your parents. Because at the end, specifically the mother is rebuked by May when she tries to suggest that May should do... Remember, she's 13. <laughs> but when she tries to suggest that May should do something, she's rebuked and told, no, you can't do that, Mom. I do what I want. So, number one, you don't listen to your parents. Number two, lie to your parents as necessary. You can totally lie to them. It's perfectly fine. She lies throughout the whole thing. It's not treated as something wrong that she's doing. She doesn't suffer consequences. She doesn't come to some kind of realization about how bad it was or anything like that. It's perfectly fine for her to lie. Number three, she's always right. So you're always right is the moral that comes across. And then number four is don't care about others, only yourself. It's just bad, bad, bad stuff. So uh, to move into it, that's kind of an analysis. To move into another kind of analysis. It's really objectively just a terrible movie. It, it should have been like 15 minutes long. It only had 15 minutes worth of material actually in the movie. It's got a bunch of muddled ideas like with the panda and when it happens and why it happens and how people react to it. It's got no real stakes. It's got ill-defined characters. It's got this music video tone. Just all from all those criteria, it's really bad. But it also offers genuinely terrible ideas for children. It's about as thoughtful as like a propaganda war video from World War II. It has one message and it bluntly delivers that message. That's it. No complexity or nuance related to any of it. So big picture wise, I, there's kind of a, a seeding understanding. I think there's this rift that is developing, broad rift that's de developing in storytelling right now where you have standard storytelling that is kind of more the hero's journey or masculine. It's where you start out as flawed, you're called to action you overcome a challenge, and in overcoming a challenge, then you come to a realization and it makes you a better person. So you have the character arc. Another kind of storytelling is the character line, <laughs> where you don't get anywhere. You start out perfect, you need more people to recognize that you're perfect, and you don't need to learn anything. So it would be really interesting to check in movies and TV shows whether how many characters actually have an arc, how, how many characters go through a challenge and learn something from it versus they don't have to learn anything and they're perfect all the way through. So just whenever you're watching something, just just see if it comes up, especially in newer, newer stuff. In this particular case, Maylin doesn't suffer any consequences for disobeying her parents or lying or selling herself or going to the concert that she wanted to go to. And the movie never even suggests that she was ultimately wrong for doing these things. By contrast, you have something like uh, Ariel in The Little Mermaid. She is selfish in the beginning. She does things for herself, but she ends up putting people she cares about in danger and ultimately realizes her error and makes it right. And that's a good moral to put across. But only care about yourself, lie as you need to, don't trust your parents, and you get everything you want with no consequences, that's not a good moral. So anyway, I just wanted to talk about that one. I'm going to have a biography on Jeff Bezos actually coming up. I just figured I'd hit all the tech titans to see how they compared. And then the last part of that other behemoth that we're working on about effective neuroscience, then more fiction, I think. Someday we will get through every book on the Jordan Peterson reading list, on the Ben Shapiro reading list, and every one of those one. 100 greatest works of fiction we will get through them all and pepper in a whole bunch of really really interesting stuff along the way i also got elon musk's book list too so we're gonna throw that one in there <laughs> that might be one that i do soon actually because it's only like nine books or something like that so we could just do the whole thing in one go but anyway thank you greatly for listening i hope that was illuminating or enjoyable in some way and hopefully i will see you on the next one all right bye <laughs>